0: Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Well, I wonder if there's anybody at CFA in the 1115 service that loves Jesus a little too much. Come on, let me hear you for about five seconds. Give them a shout of praise this morning. I want to continue our, our Lionhearted series and uh, really really kind of teach this morning. I really want to do a, a, a teaching of something that the Lord showed me several weeks ago. And um, I think it will help you. I think it will help disconnect uh, maybe some emotional attachment to something or someone that you're a little bit frustrated with that has, has more emotional pull on you than you want it to have. I don't know if you've ever ever been in that situation where like something happened and it affected your emotions more than you wanted it to. I mean, just, the, just this morning I was uh, going for my second cup of coffee and we're moving some offices and shuffling some things around and so I went to open the Keurig drawer and my only two choices were Maxwell House or Decaf. I know right, like major major first world problems, and so i was I was finding myself getting a little frustrated at the lack of the coffee situation, and Pastor David, who knew what I was going to be preaching on, said, uh Pastor Doug, don't let that have power over you and and I would just like to say, Pastor David, the purpose of my sermons is not so that you can use them against me. That's not, that's not what I was getting at this morning, but, but have, have you ever been there? Have you ever been frustrated? Like, uh, uh, not even just a situation, but maybe, maybe more like a, a person. So an individual, a co-worker at work at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon, Makes a snide remark to you, and so now your weekend, which was going to be spent taking the grandkids or the kids to the pool, and you were just going to have fun and relax. Now you find yourself for hours rehearsing that one comment that one coworker made to you at three o'clock on a Friday, instead of jumping into the pool and having fun. Like, and you get frustrated, like, because right, because all this emotional energy should not be being spent on. One comment or or uh, a boss who, in a meeting, failed to acknowledge your idea, and maybe worse yet, gave the credit to somebody else and Now you find your your anger level rising, and you 're thinking i 'm just i 'm just trying to have dinner with my family tonight, and now i 'm battling these. Emotions, and what I want to take you to is really what I, I feel like the Lord has showed me is this kind of secret in the the book of Daniel about how Daniel was able, Daniel was able to live under multiple multiple negative authorities in his life, but he was able to live free from it, right? So, so like all of us, all of us uh, go through life um, with with two cards. In fact, you have these cards. ...this morning. In fact, you have these cards physically this morning on your note sheet. So grab, grab your note sheet. They are there. Cut them out. I'll tell you what to do with them after service. But we all have these two cards. We all have an honor card and we all have a power card. And we make decisions every day of our lives who, who we choose to give these cards to. All right. And so who you choose to give these cards to and how you choose to use these cards... ...in your life affects, affects your emotions. So let's go back to Daniel. Um, I want to remind you this morning... ...that David's life was not an easy life. Again, he did not live under good authority... ...for most, if not all, of his life. In chapter 1, um, he's taken as a slave... ...as a teenager from his boyhood home... ...and torn away from everything that is familiar. He is called against his will... A key authority tries to speak negatively into his identity. In chapter 2, his very life is threatened. In chapter 3, he watches his three best friends being mistreated by an authority. Chapter 5, he's demoted, he's overlooked and forgotten about. And then in chapter 6, he's conspired against and falsely accused. And yet, all through the book of Daniel, Daniel, Daniel thrives he he thrives he has an anointing he has a power he operates in favor physically emotionally mentally spiritually and can i tell you this morning that even if you are under an authority that is not a good authority it has zero power to affect how god will use you and how far you'll make it in your life no more excuses no more excuses. Well, Pastor Doug, I'd be further in my life if my parent. No, 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 no. Stop. I'd be further ahead if I didn't have a bus. Stop, stop. So, so, uh, Paul, come up on stage this morning. Y'all, get a, give it up for Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul is our new worship pastor at our Davidson campus, and his wife Nicole. If you will stand, let's say welcome to them. We got another, another New York couple, so Northeast keeps going down. We're going to bring them all to Concord. But, and so Paul this morning is representative. He's representative of uh, a negative or a challenging authority in my life. I don't know why he's got to do this in his first week here. He'll, he'll, he'll grow into this role better. But, but um, so, so Paul, is, Paul is the parent who... You know, you're 48 years old and, Paul, I don't know why you just can't, like, be pleased with the choices that I've made in life. Like, uh, I wanted, I, I, I got B's and A's on my report card, but you're never pleased with that. So, I don't know what I have to do to please you, Dad. Like, I don't know what choices I have to make. I'm successful in my marriage and in my family, and yet I never hear you say you're proud of me. I'm not venting or anything. I have good and godly and wonderful parents. Just saying that that may be an example. Paul, Paul, you're, you're my boss, and you've got anger problems from something that happened in your past, and I seem to get caught in the crossfire of your anger. Like, I just seem to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you make these comments and throw these uh, darts and these daggers at me, and so these are affecting, they are affecting my emotions negatively. Paul, you, you represent the, the teacher or the coach in my life and you have, um, you, you, it just seems like you have favorites and no matter what I do, no matter how early I show up, no matter how hard that I work, um, I just can't seem to please you. And so my emotions, I've got this emotional, Paul has this power over my emotions and I get frustrated. You stay there. I'll move. You stay. Um, So, um, Paul has this power over my emotions that I don't want him to have. And I go home and I want to just chill out and mow the lawn. And while I'm mowing the lawn, I'm thinking about this pool that Paul is. Is anybody tracking with me? Is there anybody? So, I don't know. You all have a Paul, all right? You all have somebody in your life that has more control over your level of joy than you want them to have. And this morning, God is going to show you from his word how to get free from that. So um, mistake three. these are three mistakes. Write these down on your notes. Uh, three mistakes that we can make when it, try, when it comes to trying to get free from this. So mistake number one is we take the wrong card away. Mistake number one is that we take the wrong card away. So I say something like this. Well, Paul's my boss, and if I want a paycheck, I have to do what he says, so I can't take the power away. He's got power. He's got this positional power over me. But, uh, so I have to give him power, but I don't, have, I don't have to give him honor. So I'll do what you say, Paul, but I'm going to have a bad attitude about it. I'll do, I'll do the job, but I'm not going to do it with 100% of my ability. Paul, I'll complete the assignment that you gave me. But the entire time I'm doing the assignment, I'm going to gather my coworkers around me and complain about what a bad boss you are. And see, what happens is this, is that we actually, we think, we think we are distancing ourselves from the power, but do you know the less that you honor someone, the more power you actually give them? Because what happens is while you are dishonoring, guess what you're doing to your own spirit? You're getting yourself all worked up, aren't you? By the way, by the way, you teach people how to treat you. And the level which you use this card will teach other people in your life how that they're supposed to treat you. So what I do with this card to Paul is dependent upon my expectations of how you treat me. So parents, uh, maybe there's somebody in here this morning that's unfortunately going through a, a divorce or a separation. Do you know that how you treat that other person, how you treat your spouse or your former spouse, and especially the words that you say in front of your children are affecting how you're teaching your children to treat you? The negativity that you say about other people is just giving other people. So if you gossip about somebody else, what you're doing is you're saying, and I give you full permission as soon as this conversation is over to go and talk about me behind my back. See, that's what we're doing. We think, we think we're playing this game. And guess what? Here's the crazy thing spiritually. You can only hold one card. What do I mean by that? Is there's another card. I don't have this card. I probably should have had this card this morning. It's called a blessing card. And this is the way that God ordained the principles of the universe is that you can't hold on to this honor card and pick up a blessing card at the same time. You just can't. So if you want God's blessing in your life, you actually have to lay down and let go of this card. The second second mistake that we make is that we think that we don't have any control over this power card. So we end up kind of getting this mopey attitude of, well, I guess that's just the way it is. I was born with those parents. I'm never going to please them. The boss is never going to recognize me. I'm never going to get a promotion. I have that one relative, and, and I know that at, at dinner, over a holiday, they're going to say something, and then it's going to pull on, and it's going to ruin the whole holiday, and we just kind of give up, and, and we try to avoid, we try to avoid, right? but you can only there's only so much reach on this string do you know that until you truly get free from this you can like you can try to hide but you're still attached you can try to avoid you can try to avoid seeing that coworker in the hall but the very fact that you're trying to avoid them says that you've got emotional attachment to what they're going to say about you you can try to not end up in the, same, in the same room or the same dinner party, but that speaks to the, various, the, the very attachment that you have. And here's the third mistake. The third mistake is that we don't realize that these cards are connected, but they're actually connected in an inverse relationship. In other words, in other words, the more that I release honor, the more I give honor, the more I can take back the power. Let me explain this to you from the the scriptures. So Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 verse 3 says, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors, because an excellent spirit was in him. I remind you that Daniel had an excellent spirit, not because he had an excellent life, right? This was a continual struggle. Three different different kings, Nebuchadnezzar, and then Belshazzar, and then Darius, were all all to various degrees, these challenging authorities in Daniel's life. But you say, uh, Pastor Doug, yeah, but, but that was before. They said that Daniel had an excellent spirit, but, but then he got thrown into the lion's den. And I bet that he did not have an excellent spirit when he was in the lion's den. Well, let's go to, to verses 21 and 22. This says this, Dan, Daniel answered. So, um, so Darius now, uh, to, now to Darius's credit, to Darius's credit. Darius' credit, Darius loved Daniel. Like, Dari- Darius, the problem with Darius wasn't that um, he had it out for Daniel. The problem with Darius' leadership is he allowed the wrong voices of influence into his inner circle. And can I just make a side note and say, and thus your leadership too... So whether you're, a te- whether you're the teacher or the coach or the parent or the boss or in any area have people under you, please be very careful what voices of influence you allow into the meeting, into your inner circle, because you, those voices will, uh, will influence you to make decisions that are not honoring either to the Lord or his people. So Darius ends up, I mean, he's torn up about it. The, the other governors and the satraps had conspired against Daniel. And so there, they had, had made this decree. And this is what we preached about a couple weeks ago in the Daniel and the lion's den. And all of this stuff happened. And Darius is torn up about it. And he fasts all night. And he goes and he rolls away the stone. And listen to Daniel's first words. These are This is pretty amazing first words. He says, Daniel answered. He says, long live the king. I can, I can just go ahead and confess to you this morning. I don't believe, other than a move of the Holy Spirit and visitation from Jesus himself that if a king threw me in a den of lines that those would be my first words to the king I don't think so I think it would have been something like like Darius is saying hey, D- hey Doug you all right yeah I'm okay but we're gonna talk <laughs> in fact king if you'll give me about 15 minutes I need to repent because I said some words in that lion's den about you that I probably shouldn't have said. So me and Jesus just need to take care of some stuff and then I'll come have breakfast with you. Like so- something like that. Don't look at me all holy like you're going to mouth is rough. Long live the king. No. Uh-uh. You'd be thinking some thoughts too, Right? But Daniel, this is amazing. Daniel's response is amazing. He says, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. And then listen to this. He says, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. You can't say, long live the king. You can't say, I have not wronged you, your majesty, if you have spent all night rehearsing an offense. See, some of us, some of us, the danger in your life is not that the lions around you are going to attack and gobble you up. It's that the hurt and the bitterness and the poison of the offense inside of you, that's the bite that you've got you've to guard against. So Daniel found a way in that lion's den not only to steer clear from the teeth of the lions, he found a way to steer clear of the teeth of the bitterness and the unforgiveness that was in his heart. Daniel had a a way to give honor. He gave honor. Honor. He gave no matter what authority, no matter what season, no matter what situation. He gave honor. Well, how do you give honor? Let me give you three practical ways that you can give honor to your Darius. Give honor to your Belshazzar. Give honor to your Nebuchadnezzar this morning. Number one, you give honor with your words. You give honor with your words. So 1 Timothy chapter 2, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Paul, why, why you got to say it like that? Not that Paul, Bible Paul. So switch Pauls with me for a second. I, Paul says, I urge you to pray. See, I think that it would be a lot easier if Paul would have written, I urge you, therefore, to pray for the nice people. Like that, that would be, I urge you to pray for people that give you gifts. I urge you to pray for the people who in traffic... Slow down and wave you in front of them. Like, I urge you to pray for those people. Right? But Paul says, says, no. He says, I urge you, first of all, like, this is pretty important. So Paul's saying, first of all, Timothy, I urge you to pray for all people. So I'm like, okay, because I've prayed these prayers before. I'm like, I'll pray for you. God, get them. God, remove your hand of blessing and protection from them. God showed them the error of their way. Have you ever prayed it? Don't lie. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? i prayed prayers like that. And it's not too long that the Holy Spirit is nudging me saying, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Like, that's what God did for you. I'm like, yeah, that's probably not a very good prayer to pray. He says this, ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. When was the last time that you interceded? I'm not just saying a nice prayer. God bless them. When was the last time that you got down on your knees and began to truly intercede for the person in your life that's causing you pain, that's causing you heartache, that you feel like is the glass door in front of you that you keep walking? When is the last time that you got on your knees before Jesus and said, God, Bring life to them, bring blessing. See, that word intercede is not just, it goes beyond praying for them. It's crying out to God, it's standing in the gap, it's asking God to give mercy and grace and forgiveness and power. And then, and then, Paul, you just keep writing harder and harder things to do and give thanks and give thanks for them. See, because the Apostle Paul understood. A secret. There's a spiritual secret that the world world will not tell you to do this, but the secret is the more honor you give, the less power that the other person has over your own emotions. So you pray for them. You bless them. You intercede for them. You speak well to them. You speak well to others about them and then no gossip. No gossip. I love just Dave Ramsey's practical definition of gossip. I think most people understand that gossip is wrong, but they just don't understand what gossip is. Here's what gossip is. Gossip is discussing anything negative with someone who can't help solve the problem. Isn't that a good, just practical definition of gossip? So, uh, one of my coworkers is causing me problems, and I go to another coworker about that coworker that's gossip because that coworker doesn't have the power or the authority, either relationally or positionally, to solve the problem. It's not that we don't need to deal with problems. It's not that we don't need to deal with difficult situations and difficult people. But we do it with with, with words of honor. And then number two, we do it with an attitude of honor. An attitude of honor. Matthew 15, 8 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, like you can say the right things, but you can still say it with the wrong attitude. So we need to, we begin to pray. Here's the, here's the thing about prayer and intercession is that prayer and intercession doesn't always change the other person, but it changes me. ...changes me, I begin to actually believe the things that I'm praying... ...and I begin to, to say, well, maybe, maybe he's being unfair to me... ...because there's something going on in, in his life that he hasn't dealt with... And, ...and so we begin to change that whole posture... ...and then not only with our words and not only with our attitude... ...but also, also with our actions. With our actions, because sometimes we need to attitude our way into acting... ...and then other times we need to act our way into attituding. So what I mean by that is that sometimes you need to change your attitude first... ...and then get your actions in line with your attitude. But sometimes your attitude is so rebellious that it won't... ...like, I can't get joy about this, do it anyway. I can't get peace about it. do it anyway. I can't. So we be, we need to begin to act, and when we act, sometimes you'll be surprised how your attitude will follow your actions. And can I say this: the the more challenging the uh, relationship here, maybe the the bigger the thing that you need to do. Like maybe maybe it's going and getting uh, an anonymous fifty dollar gift card and putting it in the mail to somebody. Maybe it's blessing them in a tangible way. Because what that does, again, the more, on, the more honor you give, it begins to loosen the grip. It begins to loosen the grip of this power card. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Romans twelve seventeen says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. I didn't share this in the 915 service, but in Matthew 18, 13, uh, Matthew 13, Jesus told them this is where Jesus is doing a bunch of miracles, and then he comes back to his hometown. He comes back to his hometown, and it's in the familiarity of friends and family where he isn't honored. How many of you know that's when it's hardest to honor people? It's, sometimes it's easy, it's easier to honor a complete stranger than to honor the person that you're having dinner with tonight and so it's in the context of that closeness of the friends and family that jesus said and they were and they were deeply offended and refused to believe to him and then jesus told them a prophet is honored a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family and so they only did a, and so he only did a few miracles there because of their unbelief do you know that if you play the offense card instead of the honor card it removes the ability for Jesus to do a miracle thank you so much for joining us here at CFA Church it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home for more information about this community or to find out how you can connect Simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.